We'll read Exodus 16, verses 31 through 33. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. We're thinking of Memorial Day. It was instituted to remember military personnel who gave their lives for the service of our country. And over time, it has evolved into honoring and, and remembering all who have died, military or, or otherwise. And it's not unusual to memorialize people even a visit to the cemetery will show grave markers but famous people get a monument you think of washington dc monuments the washington monument and the lincoln monument and so on even streets every city it seems has a, has an mlk boulevard think of airports Reagan International in D.C. and JFK in New York. One, one memorial came, came to my mind was Mount Rushmore. The images of four presidents carved in that stone. You could probably name at least three of them if we were to have a quiz. But you probably can't tell me, which is ironic, who was Rushmore? You can ponder that one later, but uh, in, in Portland, we have a park. Parks are named after people. Tom McCall, Waterfront Park. Many, perhaps half his crowd wasn't born, born yet when he served as governor. And so you don't have any, know anything about him. He was governor of Oregon. Now you know that. But he's famous for having told people to come visit, but don't stay which is also ironic because he was not an Oregon native. He was born on the East Coast and he came, visited, and stayed. Advertisers try to memorialize their product or the product that they're representing. It's amazing how many stadiums there are that advertise life insurance companies or telephone companies, banks. In Portland, we have the Moda Center. So every time individuals uh, come to an event to any of these uh, facilities without even thinking so, they, uh, uh, at least in the back of their mind, they remember the product that is being uh, sold. It didn't used to be that way. Uh, even in Corvallis, there's Reeser Stadium. Uh, I know about Reeser because Brother Gary Olson worked for uh, Reeser. The, the products that they sell are, are packaged 
uh, things, uh, unhealthy things like pepperoni sticks and, and so on. But um, they, they memorialize those products. There are tunes that help memorialize a product. Everyone knows, uh, I guess, the, the tune that goes to a, a snap, crackle, pop, and you can decide whether you remember the product or not, but, but it doesn't take a monument to make a memory, however. But in, in this, this account, well, we don't have a monument for our birthdays. You remember your birthday. There's no monument for those who are married for your wedding anniversary. Uh, we don't forget that. I'm told that some husbands forget their wives' wedding anniversary. I don't forget Debbie's wedding anniversary because mine is the same day. There's, there's danger in forgetting, so watch out for that. Maybe you need a monument. I don't know. But here Moses was to memorialize manna. So he gives instruction to, to take uh, an omer of it and, and uh, preserve it for the future. <clears throat> it's not like they would forget it today. Manna means, uh, the Hebrew word for, means a lot, an allotment or a gift. It was, it was the bread of heaven, it's called. It, it was a gift from heaven that God gave. And every morning when they opened their tent and looked out on the ground, there, there was this small round thing. And I think it was very small uh, because it was like the hoar frost or the white uh, frost. So you've seen frosty mornings that, that appear on the grass of lawns or, or uh, elsewhere. That, that's, uh, that's what it was, that's what it was like. And we find that, that the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. It was provided every, every day. The, the first days, I don't know how many, it must have been greeted with excitement. I mean, wouldn't you be excited if you opened your front door every morning and there's this bread of heaven, an allotment that God has provided? Well, you don't need to have Cheerios anymore or even scrambled eggs. They didn't have that. It was this this manna. It was Christmas every morning for the children. They looked out there and it was a miracle. It was a miracle. Well, Moses did not want them to forget about that. So he he said, um, take an omer of it. You know, you know how much an omer is, right? It's about one-tenth of an ephah. Well, I know you don't know how much that is either, nor did I. But an omer is, is about a quart and a half. An omer is about one-tenth of a bushel. I, I really didn't know how much a bushel was either, but I, I, uh, near as I can tell, it's about eight gallons worth of dry product in volume. And we happen to have a basket at home. We did have it at home. It's, uh, this is about a bushel, maybe, maybe slightly bigger. 
But I can visualize eight gallons of, of uh, product dumped out uh, in there. Uh, a bushel, uh, I, I think it might be official or maybe not, but anyway, it's a, a bushel of tomatoes weighs about 56 pounds. So think of 56 pounds of, of tomatoes or 47 pounds of apples, which is about 120 medium apples or 20 pounds of spinach because it, it's, there's lots of volume but not much weight. So that's, that's a bushel. Well, an omer is one-tenth of that. A quart and a half. We had a quart... Uh, a quart jar at home. So visualize one and a half quarts is what Aaron was told to fill with this, this manna. But don't put it in a quart jar. They were to put it in a golden pot. And so they did that. Which, which, if, if we use the measure of the bushel and thinking 20 pounds of, of spinach because it's, uh, light in weight, then that would be the equivalent of about two pounds of spinach. And you can see how you could get two pounds of spinach into a quart and a half. But it, it was white. It wasn't green. It was, it was like coriander seed. Well, I tried to buy some coriander seed, but was unsuccessful. And I have coriander powder. This is the whole plant. So uh, it's not white. It's like, it's like, uh, Numbers 11-7. He called it the, the color of, of, uh, delium, which is, uh, like the color of a, of a pearl. So every morning, uh, they're out there, but Moses anticipated the day when the manna would cease, and it did cease after 40 years. When they entered into the land of Canaan, there was no more manna, but they, he wanted the memory of it to remain. So there's no... Uh, well, that was important. The, the memory of even the circumstances that came about by which it was provided, they complained the people did against Moses when they came out of the land of Canaan and began their, or came out of the land of Egypt and began their, their journey that there was nothing to eat. Well, God knew ahead of time there would be no leeks or onions or the things that they were accustomed to in the land of Egypt that they now uh, pined after. But he had a plan. God always has a plan. So he provided this rain, he provided to rain bread from heaven, the Bible says, which was this manna. Well, over time, uh, and, and this, this command was given before the, uh, before Moses went to the mount. So the, the Ark of the Covenant was not yet, uh, constructed nor instructions given to do so. The manna was provided before, before they went to the mount. And before Moses went up and spent 40 days receiving the two uh, tables of stone of, with the Ten Commandments and subsequently other instructions. So before they could preserve any, they were just benefiting by it. But the day came when those instructions were given and they were to put 
that manna in this golden pot, about a quart and a half worth of it, and it ended up in the Ark of the Covenant, along with the two tables of stone and Aaron's rod that budded. But in time, the, the, the golden pot of manna came up missing. They entered into the land of Canaan. And we know the Ark of the Covenant uh, was captured by the Philistines. And in time, it was recovered by Israel. But by the time Solomon's temple uh, was dedicated, there was nothing in the Ark of the Covenant except the two tables of stone. And even those, of course, over time in the covenant itself disappeared. So, so the memorial was gone. But the memory continued. We know it continued. Uh, because when uh, Jesus went to, and supplied the, the loaves and the fish for the 5,000 men besides uh, women and children, we, we find them uh, telling Jesus, our fathers, did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the memorial was gone, but the memory remained. And Jesus, uh, to which Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Well, this is where they were offended of him. But he said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. You know, the manna was provided. We know even Moses, uh, in, in reviewing the history of the wanderings of the children of Israel, told them before he departed and before they entered into the promised land, declared to them this manna was provided to teach you a lesson. And that lesson is that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's one thing to be sustained physically, another to be sustained spiritually. And the way to be sustained spiritually is to be obedient <clears throat> to, the, to the word that God has provided to us. <laughs> And it worked to a degree. The people at least remembered that God had rained down bread from heaven, reminded Jesus of that, even though they violated the principle behind the fact that the manna was supplied because they did not live by the word of God. And then the Lord also corrected them because they claimed that Moses gave that bread. He said, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. And that true bread from heaven was Jesus himself. Jesus is the bread of life. You partake of and embrace what he came to provide, and you will have eternal life. He said, your, your, uh, your fathers did eat bread and man in the wilderness, and they're dead. But I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, uh, he shall live forever. Well, the manna was, was designed to remind the children of Israel of, of some things. They were to remember the blessings and the fact that God had sustained them. But they forgot very quickly. Well, they had just come across the Red Sea on dry land. The Egyptian army destroyed, but they forgot about that and began to complain about what they lacked when they focused on the adversity that they were now facing rather than the blessings that were all around them. Well, we could fall into the same 
a trap. And the psalmist said how they did provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them uh, from the enemy and how he wrought signs in Egypt. But God did marvelous things. We've seen God do marvelous things uh, daily. We see God sustain us if we look to him daily. Those are the things we, we want to remember. We don't want to remember uh, the circumstances that are contrary. We want to remember the fact that God will sustain us in contrary circumstances. We want to remember the fact that God God gives promise. He promised before he sent it uh, to provide manna from heaven. And not only that, he said you have bread to eat in the morning and you have meat to eat in the evening. Twice a day they ate. That might be a lesson for us. Um, but we don't have manna. We don't have that heavenly food. So perhaps that's why we somehow have the custom of eating three times a day. But the promise was fulfilled. God sent bread every morning for 40 years. And the quail uh, came up in the evening. God has made us promises. He has promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So no matter uh, what we, we face, adversity or otherwise, we, we want to focus on the fact that, that God sustains rather than focus on the fact that we might lack or might uh, have something wanting uh, in our lives. I guess the, the thought we, I'd like to try to leave this morning is it doesn't take a, a monument to have a memory. Why we have, we have memories. The, the children of Israel saw the glory of God in the wilderness. He says, you'll see the glory uh, this evening. You, you hopefully, many of you can look back, even the past camp meetings or otherwise, when you have experienced and witnessed the glory of God coming down in that tabernacle and even in this sanctuary where, where the Spirit of God was uh, clearly uh, evident and moving in a service. That doesn't happen every service. It wouldn't be uh, as remarkable, uh, perhaps, if we were accustomed to it. And if we things we, we get accustomed to, it seems like we don't even uh, notice. But you, you have a memory without a memorial. You have private times, hopefully, in your lives where you can hearken back to and see that, that God met you there. There's no monument. There's no memorial. But there's a memory that you can hearken back to uh, when you face uh, circumstances currently or uh, off in the future that you are concerned about, you can be sure that God will be your guide, same as he was with the children of Israel when they were led with that pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of, a, of fire by night. We, we have memories of when we were saved. There's no monument. Why think of it? If we had monuments over across the... Uh, on the campground, in the tabernacle, for uh, something for everyone who who was saved, a, a poster or whatever, the tabernacle couldn't hold them. We, we don't even have memorials for those who ha- have died in our work. We've dedicated some um, plants and so on for those who, who have passed away, and, and some of those plants remain, but we've had to instruct the, the landscapers. We cannot 
put a plaque up every time something is planted for someone who's gone. It's not a graveyard. It's not a cemetery. It's alive. It's vibrant. We want the Spirit of God moving and working uh, throughout uh, the tabernacle and, and even in the housing units and the cabins. It's been sanctified to inhabit uh, the glory of God. And we pray that uh, our young people will have experiences that uh, some of us who have older or are, are older who have had or have witnessed where, where the glory of God came down. And when that is observed or experienced, it's never forgotten. It's a memory. It's a value. You may not have a golden pot to put something in to show around to others and hearken back to this is what God did, but you can share the memory of it and pass it on so that the next generation knows and and believes and ultimately experiences what you have experienced. But we thank God for where those memories are established. Most often, on our knees. Most often, at a time of prayer. Oftentimes, in the house of God. But I don't want to minimize what can happen at home. Who knows? Maybe a memory will be made this morning. Why, if you sit here unsaved, or in need of a deeper experience, look to God. Look what He has done. That is evidence of what He will do. He'll do it today. We'll have a song of invitation, a prayer meeting. We invite you to take advantage of it. Come to the place of prayer. Pray where you're seated. Look heaven's way. God will hear and answer.